Ratty and Cantati. Ratty and Cantati. R-A-T-T-I-I-N-C-A-N-T-A-T-I. Today's episode is brought to you by Ratty and Cantati. Go to R-A-T-T-I-I-N-C-A-N-T-A-T-I.com. It's an online bookshop focused on indie books, zines, and other media that aim to inspire you to change worlds. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by my guest, returning guest, actually, Nora Rose. She's a writer over at Monkey's Paw Games. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. It's good to have you back. It's good to yeah. have you back. Yeah, I-, I wanted to talk about something. It's not a new game that's coming out or anything like that, but there are some pretty cool games at Monkey's Paw Games, so... I guess to start this, let's maybe talk real quick about Monkey's Paw Games. Yeah, so um, I started really publishing stuff in, I think, 2019, just basically out of my basement. I've moved to a slightly larger basement now. And uh, mostly I do not quite retro clones, but kind of retro clone adjacent stuff and spins on on old old school type games, you know, dungeon crawlers and playing with some of the the concepts introduced by Classic Traveler, which I want to talk about today, especially Traveler, because <laughs> talking about capitalism in games, I think Trav is about as good as it gets. Yeah, Traveler's got some interesting stuff there. I, I've been I've been looking a lot more at Traveler this last year. <laughs> it really, it really, every, like, you know, I was like, I want to write a sci-fi game, and it's kind of like a gig economy game about, like, being broken space. And the more that I was writing it, the more I was realizing, like, I'm not that I would presume to like update Classic Traveler for 2023, but that's kind of adjacent to what I wanted to do because really, that book does so many things right. It's it's really incredible how timely it is too. Like if 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 the seventy if seventy seven Traveler came out this year, it would fit right in. It would fit right in. I got that 77 Traveler box up there um, on my shelf and I got it. I got it secondhand a while back for actually kind of cheap, a huge, it's just stuff with old modules. (laughs) I got a pretty good deal on when I picked it up, but uh, there was also that facsimile edition online that. Yes. It costs nothing. It costs nothing. It's like $3 from drive through. I kind of want to print like get 20 of those and just go around the neighborhoods that have those, you know, those little free libraries and slip yeah. a copy of the, of traveler into everyone's little free library. I just, just, you know, cause it costs nothing. And, and I think that it's such a good, like I I've got one on my shelf right now. I love it. It's great. I, I got an extra one uh, and I've, I've actually already given that one away. I might mm. have to order a stack of classic travelers myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great book. Well, let's talk about the capitalism in Traveler and capitalism yeah. in gaming, because I actually want you, you had said something online that I that I wanted to talk about further. <laughs> yeah. You want to expand on that? Yeah. So there was a lot of especially now with all the, you know, the push to to make Dungeons and Dragons open source or remove the OGL or go back to Creative Commons or whatever. And a lot of people are talking about the way that capitalism affects games and game design and the games that exist and you know a lot of times when you go on tiktok especially leftist sort of gamer tiktok people are like i want a game that is anti-capitalist and 
while I, I think the enthusiasm is great, I think it kind of misunderstands what it means to be anti-capitalist. And especially when people are recommending like, cause you, you get the usual, you know, people are like, Oh, cyberpunk 2027 or 2077 is anti-capitalist or, or I don't know, cyborg is anti-capitalist or um, what's another one, maybe red markets or stuff like that. And I yeah. think that a game can have anti-capitalist elements in it, but, when people are talking about anti-capitalism, they're talking about like taking a, you know, taking a stand against capitalism, trying to remove some of the capitalism in their lives and buying a book isn't going to do that. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> and like, unless, unless your book is sliding in anti-capitalist theory, which I would love to see, by the way, I would love to see somebody put in just straight up excerpts from a, a Jasbir Puar article or a Killian Bembe or something like that. You know, I would love to see somebody just take, or, or France Fanon. I would love to see somebody do that. Just slip it into a game, have a whole chapter be from the wretched of the earth or something. And I get why people don't, but like, it's not, it's not anti-capitalist to buy a book. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking part in a capitalism. And I think it's important to recognize that not everything that people do is is like leftist praxis. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay for not everything to be fighting the good fight because not everything is going to be. And we all have to eat and sleep and pay bills. And that stuff's not capitalism. It doesn't mean it's not important, but it just mm -hmm. it means that it's not it's not fighting the fight. And at a point we do live in a global capitalist society. And Unfortunately, to, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you want to eat and sleep and pay bills, you have to do a capitalism. Yeah. That's, that's the opposition. It's like, we don't like this system. I would like a different one. It's not like I can just stop doing capitalism and still feed myself. Exactly. Capitalism is dominant. <laughs> and the other the other thing is a lot of these game books, you know, they talk about the way they talk about capitalism is it's kind of this I I don't want to I don't want to yuck anyone's yums or like be unnecessarily <laughs> negative necessarily. But, you know, you take a look at, say, Cyborg, for example, which the whole thing is like, you're not allowed to play as the capitalist, you know, you're like yeah. fighting against, you know, you're part of the revolution or whatever. And it's like, that's fine, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a simplistic look at how mm -hmm. you fight against capitalism, because the whole idea is, oh, you're just like anarchists and rebels or whatever, and you're throwing firebombs at, you know, a corporate office, which is cool. That's fine. You know, if you want to do that, that's fun. But nobody's doing that in real life. And or, you know, nobody playing cyborg probably is doing that in real life. And so I think it kind of gets used as an excuse to yeah. be like, I'm I'm doing my part. Mm -hmm. You know, the Starship Troopers thing, right? It's like, well, <laughs> well, not really. And I don't think it, it really teaches people anything they don't already know. I think it just kind of makes them feel good about having like vague leftist sentiments without mm -hmm. really doing the research. And I talked about wanting to mention Classic Traveler earlier. And let me tell you, I think if there is, if there's any game that can make a legitimate claim at being anti-capitalist, it's Trav 77. And I think that's because if you read that book and play that game and you take out a spaceship mortgage and you read the rules for spaceship mortgages and that doesn't radicalize something in you, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you, I don't, I don't know what you can do. Cause like, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to buy a spaceship and have fun space adventures. And then you read the rules and it's like, you're paying this four times over the course of like 20 years of in-game time. Right. Yeah. And if you don't read that and aren't like, this is a horrible system. And then you think about like, 
oh, you know, my friend or my parents have a mortgage or like a car note, or maybe you have a mortgage or a car note. And you're like, wait a second. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it doesn't, it doesn't try and it doesn't try and market itself as anti-capitalist. It just presents a not even dystopian future. It just presents like it, because it's a pretty, it's a pretty, I would say like maybe not quite as Ruby as like utopia as say a star trek or something but it's mm-hmm. a fairly like there you know there's no galactic war or conflict or anything it just it's like this is what the future is probably going to look like and it's more capitalism and i think that is just such a brilliant way of doing it because you don't have to exaggerate anything you just mm-hmm. have to present things the way that they are now currently yeah and and that's brilliant and i think that that you learn more about capitalism and necrocapitalism and, and this idea of like how corporate power influences everything and how corporate power steals from you and exploits you and and you have to allow yourself to be exploited to to live you know to pay your docking fees to buy your oxygen to buy your food and water and repair your spaceship and pay for fuel and jumps every part of interacting with the mechanisms in classic traveler involves capitalism. I'd say that there are where, where we can say that there's not, let's say that there's not an anti-capitalist game is what we're saying, but I'd say that there are definitely elements of that are anti-capitalist ideas or elements in games. But one of the things I want to point out that you pointed out when it comes to an anti-capitalist element, it's usually just capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> it is you know? like, Hey, we're going to put capitalism in here. It's a nightmare. Like yeah, Teradyne. It, uh, you're familiar with GURPS Teradyne? Have you heard of that one? Not in a long time, so you have to refresh my memory. What was cool about it was it came out right before the fall of the uh, the, the Berlin Wall fell and the fall of the Soviet right, right. rock and all. So it was supposed to be the future where like we had started going out to space, kind of like the expanse or something in our solar right. system. Only the Soviet Union was still a, a legi- like a, a power out there and stuff like okay, that. So, okay. <laughs> so it's got a neat perspective as the world's changed since then. It, it, it's an interesting look at the future, but Teradyne itself is a corporation that um whereas you know countries have you know what's the word uh i'm looking for their borders and boundaries here on earth teradyne is a corporation that essentially claimed space right so there's no (laughs) yeah and you know there's no there's no borders there's no diplomacy Mm -hmm. with a corporation right like yeah they just own it oh yeah they just own it that's i'll have to give that a, a look because that's um I mean, that's another series that I, I, I can't believe I put off watching The Expanse for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, but like speaking of old things, I just, uh, and capitalism in space, actually, <laughs> I just watched Total Recall again the other day. Oh, yeah. And I, it blows my mind every time watching anything Paul Verhoeven and just being like, this guy <laughs> is so on the pulse. And he was on the pulse in 89 with this stuff, like talking about, you know, owning all the oxygen on a planet and that pops up in uh that mothership module a pound of flesh they do something yeah, like that where you gotta yeah, pay for your oxygen right? i love that i love it's those so things. good it's so good and like uh, you know there's that's that is so scary when you think about like where humanity has left to expand and to to continue to claim resources which is going to be space and we have decades of cautionary tape on mm-hmm. this stuff but like yes, you know we, we 
we had decades of cautionary tape on the dangers of AI, and that didn't stop anybody. <laughs> and the future is going to be interesting. AI yeah. and capitalism together might not be good for us. <laughs> right? I know. Who could have predicted this? I just saw that um, the AI chat thing. It turns out that it's just, you know, underpaid Kenyan freelancers basically that are running this chat gp thing so it's like okay so turns out that a the ai is just there's just a guy in there it's mm-hmm. not like a magical machine there's just there's 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 exploited labor there so you know i feel like that's that's a, a story that we've heard before you know these things these advances they get touted as being so like oh this is going to free up humanity from unnecessary labor and no, it's just more labor. And well, and at the same time, let's say we do when we do have the automation to free up from unnecessary labor. It's not it's not the workers and the people at the bottom that benefit. Exactly. It's the people at the top. It's the yeah. people who have the most money. They can purchase ownership of said thing like Wizards is doing. They have the money to put the lawyers out there to maintain the legal boundaries around the license of the games. Everybody's jumping in, trying creating legal license boundaries around game rule sets. What the, the tragic thing about that is the only reason that any of my work has a, a license in it and the license, I basically just copy and paste it from Troika's license because mm-hmm. it's very good. And basically all it says is the art doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the artist. The words that are mine, you can use. The words that aren't mine, you got to ask. That's it. And the only reason that I even have that is because, you know, 23 years of brain poisoning from the OGL, people think that you need a license to, to use game mechanisms and stuff. And so I had so many people coming to me being like, I would love to use your work or hack your work or make modules for this. But like, what kind of license do I need? What kind of, do you take royalties? Like what's, and I'm like, no, you can just, you can just use it. And that's kind of how weird and guild is right, right? now. Uh, yeah. yeah they, I know they've been putting that out um, as, uh, as just kind of, there isn't really a license there. If you're a fascist or a bigot, you're prohibited from doing that kind of stuff with it, but there's, it just use it freely. Yeah. And you know who, speaking of people who do it well, um, I got to give a shout out to Basic Fantasy RPG. Yes. Who for years, they've been putting out free PDFs. They've been putting out their stuff at cost. And then as soon as all this OGL nonsense started to come to light, they were like, hey, we're just going to scrub everything that could be from the OGL from our games. And they turned to the community to do it. And the community said, yeah, hell yeah. And so there's this big community push to just kind of go through all the work and make sure that they can still keep releasing it for free or at cost. And so that is like, I love to see it. Uh, you know, it's oh, not. It's, it's, it's the it's, best, it's, most exciting thing going on in gaming right now. In my yeah. opinion, seeing what's happening. Chris Gonerman's an amazing feller. I've talked to him quite a few times and I appreciate his ethics, where he stands on. Yeah, that's we may so not cool. be like totally. Oh, we all agree. I never, nobody agrees on it, but. When it yeah. comes down to it, Chris Garnerman is a solid human being with the kind of ethics that I find very agreeable. <laughs> and, and you wish That's that fair. more, yeah, you wish more people were, you know, in this industry had had that mindset rather than like, you know, you've got everybody who's hopping on Paizo's nuts because they're like, oh, we're going to, we're going to make our own license. And mm-hmm. you have all, you know, they have this big list of companies and individuals who are like we're going to do our own thing and it's like well if you were serious about it you would just use like creative commons you know well and there is there is this fight this battle it is it is a 
in, within capitalism and in a market economy, there is a competition. These are companies competing. Well, I may see some of these companies working together, which is, uh, I guess, positive there. Right now, there is a mad grab to be number one as the king has fallen. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think in the long term, it's not going to have as much of an effect as people hope because Wizards is just like, you know, when, when you get to billions with a B. Yes. You can't really unseat that. But at the same time, you know, Paizo, it's hard to get solid information on on Paizo's financials because they're they're not a, a publicly you know, traded company. They're not publicly traded. But you know, you get estimates, they're they're in the eight figures. They mm. gotta be anywhere between ten and sixty million annual dollars in annual revenue. Oh wow, yeah, that's, that's good. They're the second largest role playing game company in the world. They're huge, they're massive. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think it's great that Wizards is making less money. I think Paizo is not a good company. I mean, to be honest, it was founded by by ex Wizards execs. They've got a long rap sheet of treating their employees and their freelancers poorly. I think it's great that the employees unionized um, oh, yeah. or are in the process of unionizing. I know they have their collective bargaining agreement and they ratified the union, but I don't know what kind of contract they have. Mm-hmm. I know the freelancers still aren't under a union. And I think one thing that we need to hear is talked about in these spaces a little more. I think a lot of people don't see how it's possible or haven't really conceived there's it seems to be a lot of hesitation or misunderstandings around is something like freelancers unions and you organizing industrial when you aren't under that specific yeah boss and and like you know there's been efforts before to try and at least organize it's hard it's hard work yes the one thing i think a lot of people don't realize is that science fiction writers of of uh, america uh, swfa <laughs> There, they changed their membership requirements for games writing. Oh, to, really? Yes, uh, they changed it again recently. I think it was in 2020 or 2020. It's very recent because mm-hmm. I thought previously it was very hard as a games writer to get into the SFW. Or, yeah. Um, now you need a thousand dollars in revenue across the lifespan of you as a publishing entity. So oh, okay. it's it's reduced even more so, I think, to attract specifically more people. And, you know, they can't do everything for you, but there is at least, you know, in their charter, it says you got to pay cardholding members at least eight cents a word. Mm-hmm. And that's a start. You know, that's yes. not quite, that's not a living wage in a lot of places. It is a living wage in some places, but it's it's at least something that you can point to. And I think that as there's this big power struggle for who gets to be number one in the tabletop space. And there's a lot of people clapping these corporations on the back for, you know, standing up to big bad wizards and their legal threats. This is a great opportunity to start asking those companies and those people, because not all of them are big, but not all of them are small either. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to ask them what they're paying their freelancers and how they're treating their freelancers. Are they giving royalties? Are they paying a living wage? you know, how much ownership of the work is there? Because anyone that has employees, you know, your MCDMs, your Kobold presses, those aren't big corporate entities, but they have employees. Yes. And I'm just saying, I've never, anybody that I've ever hired to write for me, Mm -hmm. I've started at paying 20 cents a word. Mm -hmm. And I work out of a basement. So if I can afford to do that, you can't tell me that these bigger companies that have, ad revenue and are paying employees that they can't do the same yeah 
Uh, and so I think it's a great opportunity for people who are like, oh, you're, you know, you're about community. You're about fighting capitalism and the commodification of the space and, and legal threats to the space. Put your money where your mouth is. Literally, I don't care about the orc license. I want to know what your freelancers are getting paid. Mm -hmm. I want to know what your artists are getting paid. Mm -hmm. I want to know if they own their work and if they're getting residuals and royalties from all the books that you're selling off of that work. That to me is ensuring that a healthy stream of creativity comes from the community. It's not from the licensing of the work. It's from who can afford to license the work. You know what yeah. I mean? Who, who can afford to make game books there's always that old uh that old saying about how many einsteins died in the mines i, I like to say that but also like you know if you're able to take care of and meet your basic needs and focus on that thing we like this stuff i, I you know if, if somebody's creating this great content the more the more they're able to just not have to stress out about oh i'm gonna go homeless tomorrow the, the better yeah. the better output we're gonna get from this exactly <laughs> right? and that's how i think you get more people into role-playing games it's not by making it so that you can use an srd to copy game text because you know whether or not you do this full-time like i do or whether you're a, you know a quote-unquote hobbyist because of the way capitalism works you kind of have to get paid for any anything that you spend time in yes. or if you don't get paid for something that you're spending time in it's because you can afford to do that through other means and so i get upset when you know you see people who are hobbyists or whatever they're like well i don't need to get paid a living wage because i just do this for fun and it's mm -hmm. like okay you can afford to do that but i can't mm -hmm. and even if you don't need to get paid 20 cents a word to write something wouldn't you like to yeah <laughs> you know? wouldn't you like to are you going to turn it down if that's the going rate you know you don't see people being like oh, you know, I don't need to get paid minimum wage. I just like washing dishes in a restaurant. Nobody does that. <laughs> Nobody does that. This is a job. This is a, if, if we're going to put a price tag on this industry, because yeah. it's an industry, then, you know, you got to pay people fairly, whether or not they're doing it for fun or whether they're doing it for a living. No doubt. That's how you foster that community. You make sure everyone is able to eat and keep a roof over their heads. I will put this out there too. The two things that I have seen positive in these spaces in the last year since I've been here is we have the Noble Knight Workers Union and Paizo Workers yes. Union. And I'm thrilled about that. Yes. The fact that we're seeing unionization in this space. And I think that there might be a lot of people who might be afraid of that. But like you're saying, start talking to people like they're the people that are actually doing some of the grunt work and stuff like that too. Like there's a lot of elements to this, like the printing you got to pay for printing and, and not everybody's printing their own. Who's printing these things and how much are these people getting paid to run yeah. a printer and, 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 and do that type of things. Who's, who's doing fulfillment for these things, stuffing things in envelopes, who's doing the actual labor and work to make this happen. Yeah. Those are all like such huge, huge aspects too, because, you know, especially it's so hard, especially with printing because printing's so expensive and it's kind of a race to the bottom. You know, yeah, and you have to you have to weigh that because that's the thing about existing under capitalism. It's a series of compromises. You know, do I go with the the independent printer who probably pays its employees more, but I can barely afford to run it, or do I go with Mixam, who I don't know what mm -hmm. their working conditions are like, but you know, it's affordable. Yeah, you kind of have to take those as it goes and hope that you know 
more places start to unionize, like your noble knights and your and your paisos. And one thing that I think has been great is forcing people, like you said, to talk more and to talk about how much they're getting paid. And that's one thing that I was pleasantly surprised by when I joined the drive-through RPG Discord. Mm-hmm. As a publisher, there's a whole channel that basically people talking about how much they're paying and how much they get paid. And the more of that happens, the better. Because I've seen and heard people talking about working for the same companies and getting paid vastly different rates to do essentially the same work. You know, you've got people who are still freelancing for Paizo and getting paid three cents a word, and someone else is getting paid 10 cents a word. Mm-hmm. Right. What's going on there? Yeah, that's that that seems suspiciously and in, in, uh, uh, freelancers are not organized over at Pine. Yeah. It's just the staff there. So freelancers uh, aren't getting organized anywhere. And it's so hard to get people on the same page. And, you know, mm-hmm. there have been efforts to try and organize freelancers. And the last time it, it was basically sabotaged by freelancers at one specific corporate publisher who mm-hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to name here, but. Y'all know who you are, basically. There's, there's, there, but straight up, there was a coordinated effort to shut down the, which started off as a freelancers guild put on by a few of the Paizo freelancers. There was a coordinated effort of that from freelancers from another group to sabotage it because the first thing they did was they came in and they started saying, well, we got to, in order to make this work, we got to exclude people. We got to exclude people who have not worked for corporate publishers. We've got to exclude people who their work doesn't fit a quality standard. And it's like, that's not how you make a union strong. You don't make a union strong by restricting it to us, you know, like a certain number of people. You make a union strong by all the workers, get, by getting together. as many workers yes. together standing as possible. You know, that's how. But that's how these corporations maintain their their oligarchies. They divide people and they promise a little bit to a few, a little bit, just a little bit more than what everyone else is getting. Those table scraps, the breadcrumbs, the yeah, table and, scraps. And then they got them, you know, and you see that going back as far as like the newsy strike in the 20s. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that's happening now, except instead of Randolph Hearst and Pulitzer, we've got Wizards of the Coast and Paizo. Those are the, those are the big boys. And, but like, Guess what? We're not, you know, all of us sole proprietors and self-publishers and small, small groups working together. We're the newsies. <laughs> uh, that's us. You know, <laughs> we're not. It, you, I always think of, you know, it applies to applies to more than I think people realize where there's a great. I don't know if you're if you're a basketball fan, but Brian Scalabrine once said that he's closer to LeBron than you are to him. <laughs> And I think that applies so much to capitalism. People have this mindset of being that, you know, temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Like if I just keep my head down and work hard, then I'm going to blow up and I'm going to work for Wizards and I'm going to work for Paizo and I'm going to work for these companies and I'm going to make them all out of money and I'm going to be famous. And especially you see a platform like Kickstarter where you have these these books that go up and then, you know, they make five, six figures on Kickstarter. You have like, oh, seven figures, you know, this this million dollar book, two million dollar book. And they think I can do that. No, you can't. The whole reason that these books explode on Kickstarter is because people have corporate connections and corporate backing and they have a they have the purchasing power to to make a, a shiny, glossy, hardcover $60 product. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that. As someone who who publishes books and who prints books, do you know how much cheaper it is per book for me to print 10,000 copies than 100? 
but I can't store 10,000 copies. I can't pay for 10,000 copies to be printed. But if I could, it cost me 30 cents a book instead of the most recent thing that I got printed. It's going to cost me $20 a book to print. Mm-hmm. Right. I could, if I could, because yeah. I'm, I'm getting 300 of that book printed, it cost me $20 to print that. If I had enough money to print 10,000 of those copies, it would cost me 10 cents a book. But I don't have that. And those are the things that the Wizards has and the Paizos have. And that's what separates us. And we will never be them unless we start working together and figuring out how to pool our resources. Like, I don't know, a union. I like that. I like that idea. Guilds. Yeah, there we go. It's another way. And that's probably a word I should be approaching this with. Perhaps talking instead of using the word union when talking about industry, why we should maybe start talking about the word guild. And hey, I think disaster tourism might like that because we can make lots of references to guild the role playing game. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, right? Hey, free advertising. It's all advertising. It's all marketing. Everything from the cover of the book to the pictures inside. It's all trying to sell you something. It's true. <laughs> it's easy to say, oh, I'm not going to do that. But you are whether whether you mm-hmm. want to or not. And like even, you know, my stuff, like selling something. And and the thing that I'm trying to sell is, is just a little bit of radicalism, maybe. One thing that I, I've tried to do is, is try and slip in a little bit of, not even theory sometimes, but like into the black, the, the space space capitalism game mm-hmm. i slipped in a lot of i looked up every every union song that ah, i could yes. get the words to and i slipped in a couple of lines from it because i think a people love little quotes in in like page you know in like title dividers or something but yes. if it's not something uh you know uh, if if i can slip a little line from you know pete Seeger or woody guthrie or something like that you know i think oh yeah so and and feeney's one that i really yeah, like too. Yeah, I, I really yeah. get into that stuff yeah oh, no, it's, 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 but hallelujah i'm a bum hallelujah bum again <laughs> let me see that who i got stuff. yeah i've got uh because I've got the book right here. I got, yeah, I got Woody Guthrie here. I got, yeah. um, Arlo did a few things along that line. Arlo Utah, did some good Phillips, Utah Phillips is one yeah. I'm, I'm really big in, and Ann Feeney as well. And then who did Hallelujah? I'm a bum. What was his name? I always forget his name that I hear. Oh, yeah, it's it's McClintlock or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I got, yeah. uh, the, the Clash in here, Clamp Down. That's always a good oh, one. Oh, The Clash is beautiful. The Clash is always good. The Clash, uh, Joe, Joe has some solid politics. I'll, yeah. And Joe Hill would talk about sometime we have to talk about the little red songbook. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's another one that I've printed off a lot of copies and, and sort of yeah. slid into, you know, <laughs> slid into library books at the university library, stuff like that. Just like, oh, what's this? Oh, I dropped this book. Uh, you know, I, I dropped this little red book here. Uh, well, or, literature is always good to try to slip into places and drop right? off. <laughs> yes. And that, I think you know, that that's, that's about as close as you can get to, to try and like making an anti-capitalist games. If you can slip in a little bit of subversive literature, you, you kind of radicalize people by increments, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, there's all these videos or articles or whatever. It's like, how do you talk to your conservative relatives at Thanksgiving (laughs) and people get confrontational and there's a time to confront, but there's also a time because I think a lot of people are just misinformed Mm -hmm. and you can have those conversations where you go, 
oh yeah, you know, Uncle Jeff, you know, it's like I I hear what you're saying, and I hear that you're you're saying things with a lot of anger, and you know, you get your uncle complaining about like people milking welfare, and you're like, yeah, I agree with you. I agree that people who don't work shouldn't be making a ton of money if you're not if you're not contributing. So like, let's look at landlords. What do landlords do? Do landlords work? No, they just own things. How is that fair? You know, how yeah. is it fair that someone who's rich doesn't doesn't that make you mad, Uncle Jeff, when somebody <laughs> just sits on a pile of money and collects interest? And he goes, "Yeah, that is messed up, right?" And you and, and that I think that is something that we can do as writers is that we can we can have that little incrementalism and, and slip in a little bit of subversion because i think people who are like oh i want to keep my po- i want to keep politics out of my role play games and that's incorrect i think that i think that i think that i think that that's a complete we everyone sees that's a complete failure right now it's yeah. nothing but a huge politics on the six right? o'clock news it doesn't work <laughs> but what you can do is you can convince a few people who who are maybe like well i don't really want to think about things too hard and that's okay. It's okay to have that level of escapism sometimes, but you can try and you can try and slip in a little bit of radicalism without them noticing it. And I think that if more people were interested in doing that and less about saying, you know, this is if you buy this game, then you're doing an anti-capitalism or oh, this this game is about throwing bricks through Starbucks windows. You know, that I don't think has as much of an impact or really has any kind of measurable impact. But like I said, reading those reading those spaceship mortgage rules in Traveler seventy seven, <laughs> that doesn't even try and 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 radicalize you, but you just end up being radicalized anyways because you go reading this and you're like, "What the hell? I gotta pay how much?" That sounds you know, a lot like my mortgage, right? Right, and then you're like, "Wait a second, they still they still got they still got mortgages in the future? What's going on here?" You know what I mean? And I think that that's important and that's that's uh that's what we can do well i want to thank you for coming on we're about out of time is yeah. there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up because if you have something you want to put it out there now is the moment i'd love to hear it <laughs> um i don't really have anything new coming out but i do want to say uh, just again another shout out to basic fantasy rpg for for putting stuff out for free and for releasing PDFs at cost. And if, if you want to, I think if you want to do something about the, the OGL and inform yourself more than just reading the contract, you can sort of help out that community by helping them scrub stuff from the old OGL 1.0 a from their books so they can keep releasing them at cost. I think that is, I think that's about the the most good that any of us can do right now Mm -hmm. for a, group of people that's putting out not only something that's really cool but is is uh is doing it for free or for yeah. as close to free as they can do so yeah shout I, out love, to basic- I love it i appreciate it. i'm thrilled with what they're doing over there and i'm looking what's happened to the creative commons at basic fantasy i want to thank you for coming on it's been great getting a chance to talk again yeah always always happy to thanks for having me on no doubt no, no. thank you for coming on I, I i i love this conversation it was exactly what i was looking for <laughs> If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. Oh, wait, I got to rewind. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you online? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, you can find me at www.monkeyspawgames.com. That's monkeys with an S. And um, I'm on DriveThru and Itch.io. And I, I shitpost a lot on Twitter about basketball and role-playing games. But uh, <laughs> mostly mostly just monkeyspawgames.com. Excellent.
If you enjoy what you've heard, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wildlies and Wizards, wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We could use the support as we're kind of kind of starting to wrap up the last few episodes here of this. I don't know if it's going to be a season or what it, what, what we're going to do for coming back to it or not. But patreon.com backslash Wildlies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.